It, it is a privilege to stand up here and see so many faithful dads in this church. It really is. So I count myself honored to be among you and I'm very excited that we have another group of folks we want to recognize and, and celebrate with this morning and that is the men and women that God is adding to this church as new members, which is very exciting. So by way of introduction, let me remind you, friends, and if you're here for the first time or haven't been in a church that actively practices church membership in a meaningful way, why this is such a big deal, okay? The church is not a community organization. It's not an interest group. It's not a place we go or a meeting we attend. It is the body of Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. When he wrote those words, he wasn't just speaking of the universal church. Okay, that the true worshiping community of God's people composed of all believers from all time. He was writing those words to a local church, to the church in Corinth. You Corinthians, members of the church in Corinth, you are a local expression of the body of Christ. And you are individually members of it. And the reason for that, friends, is that Jesus didn't live and, and die and rise from the grave just to make you personally right with God. We, we tend to personalize everything as Americans, right? It's all about who? Me, the individual. It's not the way God works. Christ Jesus did those things so that all who choose to follow him through faith and repentance could be added to a spiritual family. That's what God's up to. And from the Bible's perspective, that means there's no such thing as an isolated Christian or a lone ranger Christian or a Christian who just attends church on Sunday. There are two kinds of people, okay? There are those who are not following Jesus and therefore have yet to be joined to his body. And there are those who are following Jesus and express their union with his body through membership in a particular local church. That's what scripture teaches. And that means church membership isn't what really committed Christians do or, or the super Christians do or the, you know, I just want to run around and do everything for Jesus, but I... But that looks really exhausting and tiring, Christians do, okay? It's the God-ordained covenant context in which genuine Christians practice the Christian life. If you claim to follow Jesus Christ, but are not a member, not just an attender, a member of a local church where the gospel is proclaimed, you should question whether you are actually following Jesus Christ. Because you can't be united to Christ the head without being united to what? The body. That's right. We dare not take Christianity, which is by definition a corporate thing, and twist it into a personal thing because the head of this body takes church membership in this body very seriously. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So what's that mean? It means that joining a local church is not like buying an iPhone case. That's what it means. Finding a product that perfectly fits 
all your personal preferences and style. Joining a local church is about recognizing the work God is doing in joining you and placing you and arranging you and adding you to a particular community of the saints or what God is doing and recognizing and responding to that work by proclaiming your membership in that local church. That's what it means. We have five requirements for church membership at Kingsway, friends, that are collectively designed to ensure as best we possibly can that the men and women that we welcome into this church are men and women that God is adding to this church. Remember, that's the goal. We want to recognize and respond to what God is doing. So what are those? A personal testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, confirming a genuine understanding and obedient response to the good news of the gospel. Two, a public profession of faith through water baptism. Three, completion of our church membership class. Four, a membership interview with one of the elders confirming full support of our statement of faith and church covenants. And five, an affirmation of membership by the congregation. Um, I'm excited to tell you, some of you know this already, but there are nine men and women in our midst who have met these requirements and whom we have the distinct joy of seeing and welcoming this morning is those God is adding his members to our church. They, they collectively speak four different languages and hail from four different countries. Two of them are returning members. Five of them are, are new members. And as I was thinking about that diversity, it occurred to me this week that in the world's eyes, the folks that God is adding to our body have little to nothing in common. They don't. The world would look at these folks that you're about to see going to join me up front in just a second and say, what in the world do they, I mean, is this like a diversity picture for a PR campaign? There's nothing in there that, that connects. You know what they all have in common? The most important thing, right? They've, they've declared that Christ Jesus is their savior and that they're going to follow him all the days of their life. That's the most important thing. That's what joins us. And some of these folks are out of town. They couldn't be with us today, but we're going to show you pictures, if Lord willing, of those who are not here so that you know who God is adding to our body. So as I read through these names, if you are here, if you would come on down front, just assemble here at the bottom of the stage, bring your children if you have them with you, um, and then hold your applause till the end, okay? Jorge Martinez, Xiomara Martinez, Steve Missiano and Donna Missiano, Alex Samuel and Priya Samuel, Lydia and Kevin, I'm going to need help. Say her last name. Archre? Archre. Victor Zayas and Jesse Sharp. I thought I saw Jesse. There you are. Could we thank God for these folks? We love you. <laughs> Very appropriate. I've I've asked uh, several of them to share a brief testimony, so we're going to start with Alex and Priya. So good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. 
So recently, Matthew asked if we would share our experience as a family at Kingsway. Uh, we initially hesitated, but after thinking about it, gladly agreed for two reasons. The first of which was to bring glory to God and honor the ways he is working here. And secondly, to encourage you, the body of Christ. Our family spent the last year and a half looking for a church home. Our search covered the length and breadth of the greater Richmond metropolitan area. But for reasons that included either demography, doctrine, or culture, we couldn't commit to membership anywhere. We visited Kingsway last year during the 2017 Thanksgiving service for the first time, and were encouraged by the sincere testimony of thanks that were shared as well as the God-centered worship. We felt there was something different here and wanted to come back, and we've kept coming back. To encourage you, Priya and I wanted to take turns sharing ways we've noticed God working through this body. Number one, you have a pastor who passionately loves God, the Bible, and people, those who believe, and especially those who do not. Number two, the spirit-filled expository preaching nourishes our souls each Sunday. God's word is honored here. Number three, we feel the worship experience is sincere and unadorned. It complements the sermon and the general thrust of the Sunday gathering. Number four, we believe the trials this body has experienced has borne spiritual fruit. We've noticed a foundational spiritual maturity here and have been deeply encouraged by those of you who didn't leave the church. You've taught us the importance of persevering through hardship. Number five, we have never attended a church. After the service, the body lingers to visit, pray, encourage, and reach out to new members. We have been deeply blessed by this, and we've made several friendships as a result of this. Six, we have experienced warm hospitality in many of your homes, something aspired for but not commonly practiced in our culture at large. Seven, the ethnic diversity at Kingsway is very unique and refreshing for our family. It gives us a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Number eight, another very unique aspect of this body is your vulnerability to share your struggles and your desire to overcome them through the power of the Holy Spirit. This has been very encouraging to us. And as a, as a result, it has really deepened our relationships and friendships with you. Last but not least, we rejoice that Kingsway is not program-oriented. We love Pastor Matthew's vision that sees us as the program, to be fed and nourished with the Word of God, so that in turn we can reach the dying world with the gospel of Jesus. To conclude, our family has been recipients of much love and grace in this body, making our decision to become members a very easy one. <laughs> we are excited to see how God uses us in this body to come alongside you, to serve you, and to learn together in our pursuit of living the victorious Christian life making much of Jesus Christ 
and making very less of ourselves. I'm shaking now because I'm, <laughs> I'm excited, but I'm scared. <laughs> I just want to end by saying, maybe join John the Baptist, who in John chapter 3, verse 30, he says, he must increase and we must decrease. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Had a little printer problem, so I'm going to read this <laughs> from here. I'll try not to be emotional. Good morning. Today we stand before you honored to become members of this church family. As I look around, I want to tell you, as an outsider, what we see before us. I see a, a family of loving, God-seeking, spirit-led people. As Stephen and I have gotten to know some of you, and this church, we learned of your history. We saw that you had been hurt, divided, and disappointed, and Satan had come to seek and destroy. But more than that, we saw a family that had bonded together and stood strong, that, tr that trusted the Lord to carry them through. We believe that Matthew, Chris, and Josh, and this church family are here doing what God has called you to do. You are making a difference in so many lives, ours being two of them, and for that we are so grateful. It is a joy to stand and worship with you each week. The first Sunday that I came into this church, I was broken and hurting beyond words. The Lord used Matthew that morning to speak to my heart and allowed me to hear God's voice. And then an amazing thing began to happen. People reached out to us. They became our friends. Sorry. They welcomed us and loved us. Healing truly began in me. And we are now part of a community group that has taken us in, supported us, and cared for us. They have become our friends. With all that being said, if you're sitting here this morning wondering or worrying about your relationship with God, money, marriage, children, I want you to look to your left and to your right and in front of you and behind you. Those people are here for you. They love you. And I'll end with this from God's word. As I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's from John 16, 33. And if I could add one thing, Matthew, I did not share my story this morning because I think yours is even more amazing. But as we get to know you, we would love to share that story and tell you what God has done in our lives in the last months in this church and how you have taken us through it with the Lord. Thank you for walking with us. Oh, my goodness. That is encouraging, which makes this one of my favorite Sundays. So if you're a member of this church, could you stand wherever you are right now? And if you are 
a close friend, a growing friend with anybody who's up here on stage, come on down. Don't be bashful. Because we are going to recite our church covenant together. All right, if you would turn your attention to the screen behind me. Let's read this together, friends. Our, our church covenant, if you're not familiar with this, this captures how we believe God has called us to live as a church. So our statement of faith summarizes what we believe. Our church covenant reminds us how God's called us to live. And both those things are very important, right? It's not just about trusting Jesus, what you believe or say about him, but it's obeying Jesus, doing what he's called us to do. So let's, let's declare this together with our brothers and sisters. Having been as we trust, gripped and empowered by divine grace, to repent and embrace Jesus Christ as one of Lord's Savior, and having publicly declared our faith through water baptism, we freely, solemnly, and joyfully affirm
Josh, if you would come and pray. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we want to acknowledge this morning that you are truly an amazing God. All that we've sung, lots of that we've talked about, you are an amazing God, and we would not be here this morning if it was not for you and your work in our lives to draw us to you and to assemble us as a body. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I want to thank you specifically this morning for bringing these men and women and families that you have added to our body. Thank you for the fact that we know they did not come of their own accord, but you knit them in the body as you saw fit. And we are the thankful recipients of having more men and women and children added to our body because you love us. Lord, I pray that this will be a place where they will find lasting friendships and where we as a body, as friends and brothers and sisters together, will become a beacon of light in this city and in this country. I pray, Lord, that this will be a place where they will always feel welcome and loved and cared for and understood. That we will love them and that they will love us like you command in your word for the body to care for one another. I pray, Lord, that the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ will always continue to form and strengthen the bond between us. Lord, that this will never become just a social event, that this will never just become a gathering even of believers, but that when we get together, that which sets us apart will be the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we will reflect that when we are together and when we are not together, when we are at work or at school, that everywhere we go, we will reflect that truth. Lord, I pray that this will be a safe place for these new members. I pray that this will be a place where they can be honest to share their joys and their struggles and as we've already heard their testimony this morning, that this body will be quick to be loving and caring and in a merciful way extend your grace to them. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up men and women from these new members to serve the body in ways that they don't even know that they are to be serving, but that you will birth in them a desire to serve your body. I pray that you will stir a greater hunger for your word, that you will raise up leaders from them, that you will pour out your spirit in them, and that you will give them a great desire for your word and to become more like Jesus. We once were not a people. Now, we are God's people, 
And we thank you for that. Collectively, we thank you, Lord, because you are good to us. Thank you for adding these members. May we, together as a body, bring you much glory. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. I told some folks um, before the meeting today, I said, uh, pity the man that has to navigate this transition. And the only consolation, Eric, is that we have a giant cake to celebrate and welcome our new members afterwards. So could we thank God for all of them one more time? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Linger long and greet them again and again. In Romans 12, beginning in verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes this. For as in one body we have many members, thank you Lord for that, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You could preach a whole sermon series on that scripture, but I think you could summarize it like this. Every spiritual gift that God gives the members of his body is essential for the life and ministry of the whole. Every spiritual gift that God gives to every member of this body, Kingsway, is essential for the life of the whole. And today, we have the privilege of recognizing and installing a new group of deacons. I've been waiting for this day for a long time, and today we're going to install four men whom the Lord has gifted to mobilize our church in meeting the physical and material needs of our members and the surrounding community. Uh, This is a process that we've been involved in for some 18 months now, and I have been waiting for this day for a very long time. And I'm thankful to the Lord for bringing us to this point. And because deacons are often misunderstood, or maybe you've been in church before and you've heard that phrase, you think, that sounds like somebody important who may have an engraved name tag, but I don't have a clue what that's about. I want to take just a few minutes to remind all of us, what's up with deacons? Why is that so significant? The church is immeasurably precious in God's sight. Very precious in God's sight. Purchased at the cost of his own blood. The church is also central in God's plan to reach the world with the good news of the gospel. So the church is precious, the church is central, and because of both those things, friends, it really matters how we are organized and structured and led. If something is precious to God and central to his work in the world, how it's organized and led, how church works, must never be a, well, what do we feel like doing? It's too important for that. And so we look to God's word because the Bible is such a gift, 
it tells us how to be organized and structured as a church. Because the church is precious and it's central. 1 Timothy 3 verse 14, Paul says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may know how one ought to behave. And household of God, which is the church of the living God. So it's the word of God that enables us to know what kinds of structure, what kinds of offices are going to enable us to do, equip us to do everything Jesus has called us to do. I'm so thankful God doesn't just give us a mission, a purpose, but he gives us a structure that will enable us to get that done. Isn't that kind of the Lord? He doesn't just say, hey, get that done, figure it out. He gives us structure, gives us guidance. And scripture establishes two permanent leadership offices in the church. You have elders, and you have deacons. So elders are the group of men entrusted with ruling the entire congregation. They, they pastor the church through the way they lead, feed, guide, protect, care for the people of God. And deacons, in contrast, are the group of men who, who mobilize the church in meeting her physical and material needs. And one of the reasons that's so important is that that releases the elders to focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. You can think of it this way. If elders serve by leading the church, deacons lead by serving the church. It's a great way to keep clear what those offices are about. And as I mentioned, over the last year and a half, we've, we've really worked hard to define and strengthen the role of deacons at Kingsway for several reasons. Here's why we've done that. One, deacons are a biblical office. And we want the teaching of scripture to determine our form of church government. I said earlier, we don't want to just say, well, what works? What do we feel like doing? What, what does God guide us in doing? Second, the scope of material and physical needs in our community continues to increase. Um, I've been a pastor here for over a decade now, and, and with every year, it just seems like there are more and more opportunities to provide physical and material care and love and mercy and support more physical gifts to steward, right? Like this facility. And more church members looking for guidance in how to do that well, which is exciting. Third, it's all too easy for the material needs of a multitude to rest on the shoulders of a few. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's very easy to say, you seem good at doing that. You seem good at doing that. Why don't you all go do all of that on our behalf? except that's not actually biblical. <laughs> because who is God called to do the work of ministry in the church? The professionals? No, right? The members of the body. Anybody who's in a church office is set in by God to equip, to enable, to empower the members of the body to do the ministry. You are, church, the ministers in this body, no less than I am. And so we've seen a growing need for leaders who can equip all of us to effectively love each other by meeting physical needs, especially within the church. And finally, the sort of practical equipping, mobilizing ministry with physical needs in view that we're talking about here, that's been ably fulfilled throughout church history by a plurality of deacons. So if you are coming from another church or visiting today, I want to remind you that the goal of becoming a deacon, we've talked about this with our members for many months now, is never to secure a title. As if the only significant ministry work in the church 
is going down in the lives of people who have a name tag. That is nonsense. It's not true. But at the same time, when God identifies both a diaconal need and a group of men to lead the church, mobilize the church in meeting that need, we need to encourage them and urge them to accept the call, right? To follow the Lord, knowing that God created the diaconal office for the good of his people, for the furtherance of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. So after six months of nomination and testing, we are finally ready to install four of our members as deacons in our church. So gentlemen, as I read your name, I'm gonna read your job description. If you would please come forward and join me with your wife on stage right here, and then we will collectively install you as deacons. John Buffington, Deacon of Mercy. Antonio Martinez, Deacon of Mercy. Bob Swank, Deacon of Facilities. And Craig Smith, Deacon of Facilities and Mercy. We're going to take a minute to get settled up here. So I don't block your view. Can we thank God for these men? Guys, I want to honor you and your wives as those who fully meet the qualifications for diaconal office that the Apostle Paul has laid out in 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. On behalf of a very, very thankful and grateful church, that's what we're eager to see the Lord do in you guys. That he would give you those two gifts. What are they? Good standing for yourselves. That's the congregational honor and respect that you're going to receive and rightly receive for being a faithful deacon. And second, great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. What, what, what is Paul talking about there? He's saying that when you step into doing what God has made you to do and gifted you to do, there is a joy that you experience in doing that work. And there's grace that God gives you that you've never experienced before when you say, Lord, I'm willing to be set in and set apart for your purposes. The spirit of God, brothers, is going to equip you for the work of diaconal ministry. And we believe that he's going to keep doing that from this day forward. So I have a brief charge to give you guys. And then I've asked Chris to come and pray for you. 
Gentlemen, I charge you to make loving and delighting in the Lord with all your heart a higher priority than any ministry work you ever do as a deacon. I'm watching to make sure that's true. Two, to never serve our church at the expense of loving your wife and your children. Three, to remember in all situations at all times that Jesus is the one who builds his church. He's the great shepherd, not you. It's his job to build the church. It's your job to trust him. Four, to resist the temptation to do all the ministry yourself. I'm going to say that one more time. To resist the temptation to do all the ministry yourself and instead to equip and mobilize all of us for the ministry of mercy and physical stewardship. Five, to be patient, compassionate, diligent, and wise in every decision you make establishing structures and precedents that will serve and protect this church for decades to come. I don't believe God's called you just to solve the problems of today, but to lead us in building well for growth tomorrow. Sixth, to fear God more than you fear man and to walk in integrity no matter the cost, especially when it comes to handling the Lord's possessions. And lastly, to lean hard on God's grace when you feel weak. It's not your job to save people, brothers. It's your job to keep your eyes on the only one who can. Guys, will you accept this charge on the authority of God's word and through the strength he provides? Thank you. Chris, would you come and pray? Well, brothers, before I pray, let me join in giving thanks to God for your lives and for your faith, for your wives, and for what you already have given to this church. So thank you, and thank you for accepting this. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, You are sovereign, and Lord, you are ageless. Father, from the very beginning, you have called people to lead and care for your people. Father, you've called your servants through time. You've called Abraham. You called Isaac. You called Moses. You called David. You called Jeremiah. You called your apostles. Lord, you have called men and women to care for your people. Father, we recognize that deacons are something that you care supremely about. And we thank you for the calling on these men's lives. And we recognize that first and foremost, it's their response to your initiative. So, Father, we ask for them, your anointing. We ask, Father, first and foremost, that they would be able to receive deeply to their own hearts the love and care and grace of Christ more and more that transforms our lives. 
may they have a supreme testimony in their own lives of the work of Christ. And Father, I pray in each of their lives that you would cause them to have your spirit of leadership. Father, cause them to know how to lead and care for your people. Cause them to know what is your desire for this church. Cause them to know how to care for souls. And Lord, I ask that in their life more and more, they would receive a joy overflowing, welling up, that becomes a testimony again and again to their own souls, to their wives, and to their families of the privilege of being able to serve the one to whom all glory is due. Give them a joy, Father, as they serve you. Thank you for the gift that they are. Thank you for the gift that their wives and families are. We thank you, Father, and because of their lives, we give glory and praise to you. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give thanks to God for these people? You know, there's this, there's a, there's a pattern to men who are called to be deacons, and that tends to be that they hate the limelight. They hate being on stage. I think they would have preferred me just to say, just stand in your seats wherever you are. Uh, but you guys are gifts, and what does the Lord instruct us to do? To give honor to whom honor is due. Right? That's not called making much of men. That's called obeying the Lord. So I'm seriously grateful for you guys. Friends, by way of transition here, as we prepare to receive our, our tithes and offerings this morning, one of the roles that our deacons of mercy will fulfill, so we have deacons of mercy, deacons of facilities, one of those roles is stewarding our mercy fund. Our mercy fund. So we have a, we have a general church fund, general budget, and then we have three designated funds, a building fund, to help us pay off this mortgage as fast as possible because you can save crazy interest if you make extra principal payments, right? Um, second, we have an international missions fund. We use that to support an orphanage in Bolivia, to provide short-term mission trip scholarships, to provide support for full-time missionaries and their families. And then we have a mercy fund. And our mercy fund has enabled us to do over the last six months a variety of different things. And because our deacons are going to be guiding the the use of this fund in a new way, I want to share some of these with you briefly. We've been able to keep the lights on for church members who were struggling to pay their electric bills. Uh, we've assisted with car repairs to keep church members employed. That's a gift. And we gave $700 to the Pregnancy Resource Center uh, to help parents in our community become faithful moms and dads who uphold the sanctity of human life. And I am really grateful for the way you enable us to do that, friends. Uh, you've been generous and kind. And I mention those testimonies in part because I want you to know 
that the financial needs, the material needs, especially in, in the members of our church, they continue to outpace the resources that we have in our mercy fund. And I want you to be aware of that. So if you're able, I encourage you uh, to set aside a monthly gift above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings for the relief of the poor to support the Mercy Fund. Uh, my family's been doing that for several years, and it's a joy to know where that money is going. That we might be faithful and caring for those among us who have significant material needs. So you can, you can use the memo section on your check uh, to allocate a certain amount on any Sunday to the Mercy Fund. You can give directly online. You can use envelopes that are at the center doors every week. And 100% of every dollar we receive into that fund, that goes directly to provide financial relief for church members, as well as singles and families in our community who are in need. So I want to encourage you to do that, church, with the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning in verse 13. Listen to what he says. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no luck. Thank, thank you for being a generous church and thank you in advance for the way I know you're going to follow our deacons of mercy in particular and their lead as they guide our use of the Mercy Fund to be a blessing in this community. So thank you for doing that. Ushers, if you would come forward, receive our tithes and offerings, and let's stand church and sing to the Lord. We've done a lot of things today, and we're about to eat and celebrate through good cake. But before we do that, I think we do well to thank God for his faithfulness to us. That's not just an individual thing. That's a corporate thing. That's a collective thing. We've seen God guide us in dedicating children to the Lord and adding members to the body, installing deacons in this church. So let's thank him for all those things and sing of his faithfulness.